Welcome back to Soul Back, the R&B podcast. This is your host, Kyle. Ed, what's going on? What's up, player? What's going on in the great white north? Not much, man. I'm just trying to figure out where Tom is right now. <laughs> Does anybody check the worst chicken stand on earth? Because knowing Tom, he's either playing a switch or eating something disgusting. You know what, though? Um... I promised myself come July I was going to give up red meat in its entirety. I'm not going to eat any more pork, any more beef. And, Ed, July is just right around the corner. I don't know if I can but do it. You've got, like, a week left. So is this, is this something you're doing to, like, lose weight? Are you doing it just to be healthy? you trying to get, you know, the six-pack for the summer? What's good? Man, I'm just trying to be like Tom. That is the worst sentence you've ever said. <laughs> Uh, I don't even know why I'm doing it. You know what? I think it's because uh, Neil went vegan recently, and he looks like he's in really good shape. And I'm like, I want to be like he Neil. does. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's gotten in great shape. So good to the homie Neil. So yeah. maybe that's it. But player, it's about to be Fourth of July, which I know means nothing for you. But lots of cookouts. Player, I ain't giving up the red meat. Maybe the week after, but not the week. All right. Up. I'll tell you what. I was at, and this is the last topic about food before we get into R&B, but I was at a Mexican restaurant the other day, and I got a vegan burrito, and it actually Mm -hmm. tasted pretty good, but all my friends got, like, some meat burrito, and they all got, like, a side of sour cream, and I didn't get one, because apparently vegans don't eat sour cream, so that was sort of, no, they don't, because it's dairy, so that's sort of, like, the deal breaker for me, I can't go vegan, I need my sour cream. Wait a minute, so you are gonna hang on to veganism... You're not going to hang on to it just because you got some sour cream. Player, you got a long road ahead of you if sour cream is the deal breaker. Sour cream is pretty good. But anyways, Ed, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, right off the bat, can we talk about Nas's discography for a second? I know this is an R&B podcast. Player, I never thought in the history of this podcast that we would start a discussion talking about Nas, probably the best rapper alive. Yes, I said it. On this, and you would be initiating the discussion. What is going on? Well, listen, I stirred up some controversy last week when I fully admitted to you guys that I had never listened to a Nas album in my life up until the one that Kanye produced and came out two weeks ago. Do you remember this conversation? I remember it. I remember yelling at you. I don't forget that. Yep. So I was like, you know what? I'm tired of getting yelled at. I will take a chance and listen to Illmatic, which, Ed, is that the greatest hip-hop album of all time? Greatest hip hop album of all time, but I listen. You got to remember, it came out in 1994. This is 2018. I'm interested in knowing how that has aged for you. Man, it was like listening to urban AC rap music. Like, it was so wordy. Oh my gosh. The beats were not banging, it was just bars. And then I got to one of the songs on the album, and it featured As Yet, and I was waiting for As Yet to come sing. But turns out As Yet and AZ are two different people. I was so disappointed. Oh, oh my God. Listen, y'all, I'm trying to hold myself back. This man just confused AZ and As Yet. Where are we as a society? So, needless to say, we're going to have to try again next week when I uh, give you my review on It Was Written. But Illmatic is a definite no for me. Oh my goodness, listen, there is no accounting for taste for your generation. Get off my lawn. All right. Anyways, let's talk about R&B. This is something we're both familiar with. Um, Of course, Nas dropped his album two weeks ago. 
And this week, we have Tiana Taylor, her sophomore album. This has been highly anticipated by both of us, along with the R&B fans. Ed, you reviewed the album. What did you think? I certainly did. Um, And let me kind of temper expectations a little bit, because I know a lot of R&B fans were extremely excited about this, and for good reason, because Kanye, like most of kind of hip-hop in the United States, has kind of abandoned R&B in the past few years. But you got to remember, Kanye has a very storied history with R&B. You look at Alicia Keys, you look at Brandy, you look at... Um, Keisha Cole, he has produced some great R&B songs. So to know that he would produce an R&B album, it's a pretty big deal. However, um, as much as I love Tiana, this album was just okay at best. We got some great beats. We got some great songs. But overall, I just feel like something was lacking in the project. Especially in the second half, I really feel like there was a lot of rushed product. And it just wasn't as solid as it should have been. It's a good listen, but not where it should have been. No, and I'm absolutely with you on this. I feel like this album sort of suffered from having two little songs. or Because I feel like Kanye did a good job with Push's album, that seven-track album. It mm-hmm. worked for him. But Tiana, it seemed like, I mean, the album really is five songs, two interludes, and one hot garbage of a song that we're not even going to talk about. It's the very last song on the album. But oh, good lord, I felt that like drag queen song? I can't that, get Yeah, it. that's not it. But I feel like of those five songs, we didn't get to hear enough variety. It was, it kind of almost sounded the same after a while. It was sort of in that slow, mid-tempo type mm-hmm. of thing, and... I mean, there was that one song, I think Rose in Harlem, was it? That one kind of stood out in terms of just sonically. And don't get me wrong, I do like the songs on the album. I just think it suffered from not having enough songs so that we weren't really able to see the entire package of Tiana Taylor. Um, And, and, you know, I think for me, and I'd I'd be curious to hear your, um, your, your side of it, but to me, like, after a while, it didn't feel like I was listening to a Tiana Taylor album. Um, because it, it almost felt like I was listening to like a Jasmine Sullivan album. I don't know if you got that as well. I wouldn't say Jasmine Sullivan, but I do understand what you're saying. It did feel a little out of her realm, so to speak. I don't know. I think my issue with it's a little similar towards yours. It, and my argument about a lot of these Nas albums, it wasn't so much. Cause I know a lot of people are like, oh, they're too short. But it's not so much the track listing that made it feel like this, but it just feels a little incomplete. I mean, Pusha announced on Twitter that I think it was a day leading up to it. Oh, the album's about to drop. We're finishing it right now. And then it dropped on Saturday. Kanye, you knew this album was dropping a month ago on the 22nd or whatever. Why are you on the airplane trying to mix it? Like, you could tell that it just wasn't fully baked, so to speak. And something about it really made it feel a little less Tiana-ish. It didn't have her stamp on it as her last album, Seven did, which I loved. And it's just great experiment, but it just didn't fully solidify for me. And it's a shame because Tiana's an artist has been around a good 10 years. And this was her, she had pretty much her best shot at mainstream appeal because everybody was trying to check out these albums. So 
for her to not come as strong as I wanted to, I feel like that's a slight disappointment because at this point we've only known her as that girl who danced in the Kanye video. This was her chance to tell fans that she is a potent R&B artist and what we got was just okay. It's a little disappointing. Well, I want to get into the marketing and the release behind this album, but I'll hit you with this one first. So the album order for this, I guess, this Wyoming project that Kanye put together, it was Pusha first, Kanye mm-hmm. put his solo album, Kanye and Kid Cudi, Nas, and then Tiana Taylor. I feel like, and, you know, obviously with the Beyonce and Jay-Z album that came, I think that sort of took the momentum away from Tiana a little bit, but if you were to do it all over again, wouldn't you have had Tiana a little earlier in terms of the releases? Because... You know, as a fan, as a rap fan, if you already have Nas, Pusha, Kanye, and Kid Cudi, who's really going to be paying attention to the Tiana Taylor project? I feel like they should have put that probably in the middle of the five album releases. I agree with that, but I also get the strategy behind putting it at the end because looking at the releases, to me, Pusha was the best one, and that's why Pusha went first. He put your put your your best foot forward first, so that's what they did. Um, Kanye was the most anticipated, so I could see them going there. Of course, the rumor is the Kanye album we got wasn't the real Kanye album, so that's why it was a lot worse than it was. Um, Then we got the kind of one-two punch with the joint album and Nas. That could have went either way. So I can understand putting Tiana at the end because it kind of stood up, stuck out a little bit. It wasn't the rap release. It was an R&B release. And after, in Kanye's mind, he has built all this momentum all month long with all these established artists. Hey, y'all, check out this newer artist. I already hit four out of four out of the park, so you know this one is hot. So theoretically, I understand why they put it last. It's just that it didn't work between the Carters totally derailing things and Kanye's, you know, his whole drama with um, his political issues kind of getting stuff wonky, too. I understand the strategy behind it initially, but if he swapped Tiana to come out maybe third, I think maybe she would have had a better shot because... After the Carters, after the Nas album, I do think a lot of people had checked out. Yeah, absolutely. Now, do you think that the release strategy for Tiana's project was effective? Because, you know, and I think it was really cool what Kanye did. He would put out an album release party, and then anywhere from two hours to 24 hours later, he would put put out the project um, digitally. Do you think that rollout worked for an R&B artist such as Tiana? Because... I've seen a lot of people on Twitter, and I'm not sure if you have as well, but a lot of Tiana Taylor fans were mad that they put out uh, her album with that approach because that seems to only have worked for rap artists up until that point. And they were hoping for more of a traditional release with interviews and singles and videos. Do you think this was the right approach? It was the right approach, but it wasn't done correctly. Again, we talk about this all the time, player. We cannot approach releases like 1999 or even 2003. Her going on, sitting on somebody's couch and debuting a video to freaking AJ is not going to work in 2018. I had no problem with the rollout in theory. The issue what they should have done is if they knew they were going to be this late, they should have had the release party... I don't know, Wednesday night, so that it would be ready for streaming on time. 
because that's what screwed it up. Because a lot of Tiana fans were looking for this thing first thing Friday morning, like every other release. And don't confuse me. The reason why those releases got messed up is because they had the album release streaming, which was always late and ran way into Friday night. So after that, and they got it mastered, then they send it to the streaming sites. You can't just snap your finger and it appears. Thanos style. So basically what they had to do is those late streaming things delayed everything and pushed things back like a whole day. So only you were only stuck with the hardcore Tiana fans Saturday morning, like me, getting up trying to see if you can find the album, as opposed to Friday being ready with the regular releases. If it had been ready for that, I'd have been cool with a rollout. But because they had pushed it back and delayed it, when I posted my review, a lot of people were like, oh, I forgot about this album. Again, Kanye shooting himself in the foot. Just a little bit. I, I was a little bit annoyed by the uh, the d- delayed rela- uh, releases after the listening party. But, I mean, we finally got the album. And, um, you know, it's interesting. A lot of Tiana F- Taylor fans have sort of like been on this F Kanye movement after the album came out just because they weren't mm-hmm. happy with how it was promoted. But... Um, on the contrary, I believe um, Kanye was Tiana's probably best promotion tool. Um, I don't think it. I don't think it would have gotten the look that it would have got if Kanye and Good Music had released this at any other time. So, right. I mean, it sucks that. I mean, personally, it sucks that it's only a eight track album. And I mean, I feel like it probably could have had more quality to it, but. I can't really argue against Kanye and his approach because it's worked with Pusha. Um, it worked with him. It worked with him and Kid Cudi. With Nas, I'm a, I'm a little 50-50 on. I don't know if that was the most effective way to release that album, but can't really argue against Kanye um, in this in this situation. You can't, especially those first three releases. The Nas was issue was kind of crippled by several things, not just the rollout, so that's kind of its own animal. But those first three releases, again, theoretically, if you were coming up with a game plan, this is a very good game plan. If Tiana just dropped this album like everybody else did drop last Friday. like I mean, I can't even think who dropped besides Freeway and Freddie Gibbs. I can't think of another R&B artist that dropped. But if they just randomly dropped, we probably, well, we would be talking about this album, but the internet would not be talking about this album. So, again, this was a great way to promote it. But it was kind of mishandled, unfortunately. It's kind of 50-50 with this Kanye-Wyoming deal anyway. Yeah, so everyone go check out um, Tiana Taylor's album. The record, what is it, Who's Gonna Love You, I think it's called? The second mm-hmm. song off the album. Fantastic, I love that record. Yep, I like that one a lot. So definitely go check that out and just delete the last song on the album off your playlist because that song is Ugh. absolute garbage. Please do. Now, I know it will be the subject of a mini runway show between now and 2020, but in the meantime, it ain't going on my playlist. Ugh. Yeah. I mean, you know what? It wasn't even the sample that was the issue. I mean, it, the sample loops itself like a million times, but it was the fact that Tiana, when she was singing this song, it was with such like it was like a laid back approach, and it, I felt like the song just needed a little more energy, and we didn't get it. Well, I think they were thinking the energy was that freaking loop, but that loop made me want to vomit because they ran it into the ground immediately. Oh my gosh, that song gave me a headache. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's move on from that and talk about this Beyonce and Jay-Z album that came out out of nowhere. And I got to admit, Ed, 
I'm tired of Beyonce trapping. I'm tired of Jay-Z and Beyonce flaunting how rich they are. But the album did have some decent songs on there. It did. Now, let's talk a little. And I wish Tom was here for this discussion because I feel like he could weigh in well. But let me break down kind of my review because I reviewed the album. I gave it a very positive review. And a lot of people were like, why did you review it so high? You hate trap. I sure do. I hate trap more than anybody you know. If trap was a person, I'd kick it in the balls. That's how much I hate trap. Damn. But the thing with this album is it's trap, but it makes sense because of the album's theme, which is basically this couple that's just having fun on a Saturday. And when you're having fun on a Saturday, you're just running around, fake rapping, jumping around, talking junk with your friends. That's kind of what this album is. Secondly, let me, let me, this is the part, Kyle, where I put out my Twitter and I tell everybody to direct their hate tweets to E.T. Bowser because they're going to get pissed at this. All right. Shout out DJ Soul Child because he's going to be the first one coming through my throat. <laughs> you know what this album reminds me of? And I'm not comparing the two. This album reminds me of Michael Jackson's Dangerous. Hmm. I'm going to tell you why. Because Trap, to me, is becoming the new New Jack Swing. I know we love New Jack Swing. It is R&B's, I mean, fans love this thing. But the reason why I hated New Jack Swing at the time is because it started out hot with Keith and, and Teddy Riley and them. But it became so disposable because everybody was doing it. The beat sounded the same. The most random groups were coming out doing the same stuff. And that sounds exactly like Trap in 2018. But when Michael Jackson dropped a Dangerous album in like 91 or so, it was his first time doing Trap. First time he was doing New Jack Swing. And it really, really worked. It's a different sound for him. And... You know, it kind of worked. And I kind of look at this album the same way. We're not used to Beyonce. Beyonce has done her trap thing before a little bit. Jay hasn't really done it. This was their chance to kind of jump in that arena. And it sounded good because there was musicality behind it. It wasn't some mumbling moron just saying the same thing over and over again. Barely rhyming with absolutely no musical intellect behind it. These were two established artists using trap to make real music. So while I will not be rocking half this album as a reviewer, I recognize that it's well done. And that's why I gave it the story that I gave it. So I'm not mad at the approach. I miss R&B Beyonce. I don't know if we ever going to get her back. But for what it is, I think it was solid. Yeah, I'm with you on that, Ed. Because um, I think... Listen, the trap stuff and the auto-tune stuff, I'm not with it, but I didn't necessarily mind it too much on this album because I think Beyonce did take a different approach with that trap stuff. Some of the stuff that she was doing on the album vocally, even with the auto-tune, I thought it was pretty cool. It was pretty amazing. Um, mm -hmm. my, biggest my biggest issue with this album is sort of like the bigger picture of it, of it all because... She dropped Lemonade a couple of years ago, and as you know, Ed, I'm not a fan of that album. I thought it was too, I guess, pretentious in a way. It wasn't very musical to me. Mm -hmm. This album is not musical enough either. It's way too trendy. And not to say that the album is bad, but just as a fan of music, I feel like this was too easy for them. Mm -hmm. I'm waiting for that 
R&B Beyonce that kind of elevates the genre with just good, simple music. And like you said, we haven't really heard that from Beyonce since, I mean, I guess we could say the self-titled album, but really it was the four album that I think we really last saw that from, from Beyonce. So that's where I guess my disappointment comes from. But I mean, I'll tell you what though, Ed, it's really interesting because I looked at the sales for this album and it's actually considered a disappointment. It didn't really do too well. What, what what do you think that's contributed to? I'm not surprised. And that's for um, a couple of things. Number one, it started out as a title exclusive forever. So that's one thing that nailed it. Number two, and Beehive going to get mad at me. I do think they're starting to be a little um, Beyonce fatigue. Because I, we have them, you know, they will buy whatever. She'll sing the phone book, they'll buy it. But I'm talking about the the kind of culture at large. And they're just kind of getting a little Beyonce out. We got a concert every other year. They constantly on everything. The Beehive constantly screaming in your face. And while I, I th- even though I'm not a fan of that single at all, oh, I hate that song. But I think that people are just starting to get a little bit weary of them. I think that it would really do them some good to go away for real, not fake going away where they're not recording anything, but they're still on Instagram every five minutes. They could just be gone from now until like 2021. Just take three years, just go. Three or four years, vanish. And come back hard. And I think that will kind of endear them more to the audience as opposed to constantly beating us over the head. And when you have a fan base as vocal and loud as theirs, please, like that's making, that's amplifying the message even more. I just think people a little Beyonce it out. Yeah. And you know what? Honestly, I don't think anyone was asking for a Beyonce and Jay-Z joint album. Honestly. The Beehive sure weren't because they're still mad at him because he did whatever, whatever. You know, in cancel culture now, Kyle, if you blink wrong, we're supposed to boycott you forever. Right. But I'll tell you what I want to see um, as we talk about bringing back just simple R&B. A Destiny's Child reunion at this point. It might do Beyonce some good. Uh, I understand the mentality there because we will get a different sound from her and it'll be more throwback. And I've, t- I've said this before on record. I think the, D- the DC albums are much better than Beyonce solo stuff. I know they'll get me shot in the streets, but I believe it. I don't, but again, I'm just, I'm kind of good on all of Beyonce. I'm, I'm good. Like, we, we all right. Like, if they wanted to do that, cool. But um, I just feel like I'd be good if they just took kind of two or three years and just went in a bunker like Nas did or whoever else. Like, hide at high for a little while. And then we'll kind of miss you. And once you come back and we'll welcome you back with open arms. Don't get me wrong. She is the greatest performer in music right now. No question. But when you're just ever present, play, I just... Take a breath. I know you tired. I'm tired. Yeah. <laughs> so <clears throat> it'll be interesting to see what happens. Like I said, I personally, I hope for a Destiny's Child reunion soon. But you might be right because even if they come back together, does this does the spotlight shine on all three of them, or does it just go to Beyonce? And if it's you the latter, then know. then it doesn't really do much for for anybody. I mean, probably get some good music though. Was clearly on her in '98, but yeah, I mean, the music will be good because they're fantastic artists. But and it'll be kind of different because it will be kind of the sound that 
original Destiny's Child fans came up on. That's a sound that, you know, I miss. And I miss that from her. And I think they would bring it out of her. But again, I'm good. B, I'm good. Raise your 500 children. Right. <laughs> um, let's talk about another single that has been out for a minute now. Um, they actually, um, his management team actually reached out to us to bring him on the Soulback podcast. So we might have him uh, pretty soon. I wasn't even aware that he knew what a podcast was, but people. Oh Bryson my God. A, listen, people, Bryson has a new song out produced by Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis. Love like yours and mine. That song is fantastic. Player, it's a banger. I tried to warn y'all. You're sleeping on Peebo. Listen, Peebo has been in the game since before I was born. He has been doing the thing since the mid-70s. But he can, him and Jimmy Jam, Terry Lewis can drop them a banger. And their new song is off the chain. I can't wait to hear more from my boy. Honestly, kind of the biggest hit that I remember from him is the, um, what's the song from the Disney movie? We're Regina Bell. Yes, Aladdin joint. Like when I think yep. of Peebo, that's the song I think of first. And it's funny, he's had many more hits besides that. But for my generation, that is the quintessential Peebo song. So, a uh, new album from Peebo coming in August. So, we'll probably have Peebo on the Soulback podcast um, pretty soon, I think. Um, we yeah, haven't had a guest in a love. minute. We haven't had a guest in a minute because I sort of blacklisted us from the industry. I called everyone out, but uh, hopefully we get people. Oh, my here. gosh. <laughs> I think it's because of this. everybody's either touring or at the beach this summer, but we'll get some more guests up here soon. I got more people to yell about. Yep. Um, a couple of other uh, records I just want to highlight here. Miguel, um, off the Superfly soundtrack, I think Future, what, he, he executive produced that soundtrack? Good Lord, yes, and that's why I have not gone near that soundtrack with a 10-foot pole. I didn't know that Miguel had a song on it until you told me. Yeah, it's actually a really good song. It's called RAN, um, which is an acronym for Real Ass N-Word. Um, but it's actually like a slow song, so it was actually pretty good. I'll check it out. As people know, just the near name, the mention of future makes me want to projectile vomit, but... And that for someone who was a fan of the original Superfly, looking at the trailer for this new one, although some friends of mine have seen it and said it's okay, oh my gosh. I was telling my wife, it looks like some 14-year-old watched the trailer of the original Superfly and was like, I can do that, and filmed it on his iPhone with a bunch of his bratty friends. It looks hot garbage. Well... Speaking of Miguel, he's going to be going on the Ascension Tour um, very shortly, uh, later on this year, um, with Division, Davison, Div- DVSN, however you call it. I think it's Division. Oh, my but God. Going it's on Division. Tour. How many times I got to tell y'all there's Division? Well, Tom keeps saying Davison, and I almost believe him, but they're going on tour together. Um, that should be fun. Tom says a lot of ridiculous things, but um, yeah, I think that's a good tour. I think they kind of their sounds are different, but they kind of mesh enough that it can be they're not like too far off base, and that would be an interesting tour. I know we don't really talk much about Division here, but each year that they drop an album, it always ends up on my top albums of the year list. So they're pretty talented. Um. I want to highlight this artist for a second. Uh, Mila J, Ed. Do you follow Mila J on Instagram? <laughs> I don't follow Mila on Instagram, but I am kind of a low-key fan, and Tom gives me all kind of crap for kind of liking a few Mila J songs. 
Well, um, on a complete side note, Mila J is in the Instagram Hall of Fame along with Ashanti because she posts some very uh, thirst trap pictures. But that's not yes, the whole purpose of this. This is not the purpose of this shout out. She's actually dropped an EP every month this year. Starting in January, we're now in June. But she's actually dropped an EP every month. Four song EPs. I, this why am I first? Uh, this is the first time I've heard about this. Why have I not known this? Well, I haven't actually listened to it either, but I've kind of just noticed it on her Instagram. So we're at what, like twenty four songs in the, into the year. Gee, so you're gonna have a bunch of songs by the time we get to December. So we should probably get started on that now, as opposed to December, or else we'll be listening to more uh-huh. songs than uh, that "Heartbreak on a Phone Moon" album. And I know how you oh. how, you almost died listening to that. Player, I have not recovered. My soul is still in traction because of that. And you're saying unless we recover, you know that's going to be like, hey, get on that. Tell us if it's decent. <laughs> yep. Uh, on a side note, I did go to Chris Brown's Heartbreak on a Full Moon Tour. I want to actually bring this up really quickly. So as you're aware, the album was 45 songs. Oh, I know. And his set, which was actually a pretty short set for a concert, it was only an hour long. Um, I think just because he dances so much during his set, but he managed to cram in, I counted like 14 songs off that album into a one hour set. I am kind of surprised because I sort of expected him to just do the hits and do like maybe two songs off of that album. Cause I mean, no, name, what's the, what are the big songs off that album? That one that featured like 18 people. Like I can't think of like the big hits from that album that kind of mainstream fans would know. Well, uh, Pills, pills and Automobiles. Yeah, that's the one I'm thinking of. And then uh, he had that reggae song, Questions, I think it was. Oh, I totally forgot about that. I and, don't think uh, that was bad. Yeah, he had a couple of good ones. Um, he um, did like one verse and a hook of each, but he managed to cram 14 songs or so into that tour. And then, of course, he did his uh, throwback stuff. But, man, he's really trying any means necessary to shove that album down your throat. No. He'll be sending out another Instagram to all of his fans. Hey guys, turn on my album and leave the house while you go to school and let it play on repeat and give me all the streams because I'm not worth it to listen to it the real way. Just put it on repeat. Real pitiful. This is what we've become in 2018, player. So, yeah, that was pretty interesting. Um, I got some news to announce for everyone. Um, Actually, this might not even be news because I don't have a reliable source yet i just read this on the internets but uh carrie hilson uh is now signed to e1 allegedly which i think is really interesting i think timbaland is on e1 as well so i think she may have gone with timbaland um to that label but ed that should be exciting some new carrie hilson music carrie hilson and i'd like for you to weigh in on this carrie hilson may be her nicole scherzinger like that whole generation they always seem like the the next big artist, and it just did not happen. Yep. Why? Uh, that is a very interesting question. You know what it is? I think when they came out, that's when R&B started to shift into more of that EDM sound. And yeah, I mean, it did, Car- 2008, 2009. I mean, to Carrie's credit, she did dibble and dabble into the EDM sound with the Timbaland record, The Way I Are. So she was sort of part of that original, you know, wave of EDM R&B that came out. Now, what happened after that? I'm not entirely sure. I mean, she has a couple of hits. Um, but 
I mean, I, I know recently she spoke out that she was going through depression during her hiatus, but I'm not really sure with her and Nicole Scherzinger. I think Nicole Scherzinger's biggest issue was that everyone just looked at her as the pussycat doll girl, but I'm not really sure. It's weird. Both of them, and there are others too, but those two names stick out as the two that were going to be the next up. She was going to be the biggest one in R&B. Nicole was going to be the, the biggest one in pop. It was going to be huge, blah, 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 blah. They came out with a couple of songs. Carrie, to her credit, did have a couple of hits. Unfortunately, the two songs that hit big are like my two least favorite songs from her. But she had some great songs and her albums were okay. It just didn't yeah. pop. I felt like she just fell in the wrong era. Yeah, Maybe if absolutely. she came out closer to this era, she would have been stronger, but poor Carrie. She's sounded. She deserved more. Yep. And she looks amazing, so there's that. <laughs> Let's not forget <laughs> that part. All right, all right. Um, can we go into the Play a Please Award right now? Always. All right, so we have three today, Ed, just for you. Number yes, one Play a Please Award is Chad Hugo. Ed, who is Chad Hugo? What did you boy? <laughs> you know full well that Chad is the shadow member of the Neptunes. That's your boy, Chad. What did Chad do to piss you off? So listen, Chad is one half of the Neptunes, Pharrell being the other half. Some might call him the Asian guy in the Neptunes. Some might call him the, the quiet guy. guy. The quiet guy from the Neptunes. And some might even call him the more talented member of the Neptunes. That is oh, here we subjective go. But we got to give him the Play a Please Award because he did an interview recently with Vibe Magazine and they asked him what his favorite song that he's produced is of all the Neptune songs in that discography. Mm -hmm. And Ed, he said one of his favorites is Supplies by Justin Timberlake, which I know you do not like that song. Um, The Devil is a Lie. He said Supplies is the best song. Yep. Supplies, the, the terrible Justin Timberlake song with the trap drums. So we're forgetting, um, we're forgetting the clips, their beat, and we're forgetting "Baby I Got Your Money," and we're forgetting all the other the Nori song, nothing, and like we're forgetting all these classic Hot in Here's and LL Cool J's. We're forgetting all these classic Neptune beats. Seven O Two, I still love you. We just had Neil on yes. here a couple of weeks ago. Usher, you were forgetting all of this. Usher, yes. We're forgetting all of this, but we're going to do supplies. Now, clearly, either this dude was asleep while he's making all these classics, or he is a master troll because he got my blood hot right now. If anybody deserves a player, please award. It's your boy. Stop talking crazy. We're going to have to get Chad on this podcast, too. I've been dying to interview that guy. That guy's a genius. I'm sure it'll be 50 minutes of dead air the way this is. He ain't going to say a word. <laughs> shout outs to chad uh play a please number two ed we have an actual uh we have a very exciting project coming in i'm not even sure if it's out yet it might be out but uh two of your favorite artists ty dolla sign and jeremiah are doing a collaboration album together did you hear about this oh my gosh i did not hear about this i think sometimes things happen in the universe and the good lord above is like I will cover the ears of my child because if he were to hear this, his mind would melt into jello. No, I did not hear the two worst hook singers in 2018 were coming out with an album of terrible songs that are nothing more than garbage hooks. You know what? I got to give both of them some credit because they are capable of making some pretty darn catchy hooks. 
Now, when they do a whole song by themselves, it's another story, but I'm not going to lie, from time to time, when either of them are featured on an R&B song, I'm like, this is all right. Mm-hmm. But Now, Ty does, Ty can be okay. I give Ty credit. He can be hit or miss. His songs are terrible, but his hooks are okay. Jeremiah has not done anything for me since Birthday Sex, and that was in 2009. That's one hot song every 10-year average. You need to do better. All right, I got two questions for you. Number one, when Ty Dolla Sign sings, is he using autotune or is his voice very raspy? No, I think he's actually a transformer. Okay. (laughs) And number two, is it just me or does Jeremiah sound like a cartoon character when he sings? (laughs) Because that's what it sounds like to me. He sounds like someone from, um, what was that, um, that Nicktoons cartoon with the animals? Rocco's oh, Modern Life. He seems yes. like he's from Rocco's Modern Life. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Absolutely. So that album, I'm not even sure if it's out yet, but if it's not, it will be out very soon. And you can find the review on soinstereo.com when it drops. Oh my God. You, well, the things I do for y'all. Oh my gosh! I mean, I gotta you give don't you some pay love. Me enough. Didn't you end up interview uh, doing a J Rock review? I did. I mean, player between the the kind of deluge of Kanye reviews and just everything else has been dropping in the past month. I have been doing reviews back to back to back to back. So, I see you've been putting in the work. So we're expecting this Ty Dolla Sign Jeremiah classic um, on your website very soon. Well, keep wishing. All right. So I got one more play, please. Um, this is actually something that I meant to talk about with okay. you a couple of weeks ago, but it just totally slipped my mind. But the Sour Patch Kids, the candy, they dropped like a lemonade flavor, and I yes. know you were very excited about it. I was until I tried it. I don't know if we discussed this on or off air, but player. So here's what it is. For those who don't know, your boy is a huge Sour Patch Kids fan. Sour Patch Kids, if you're hearing me now, hook me up with a sponsorship. I will promote your stuff. I will whore myself out for some sugary candy. So I saw this lemonade flavor. And for anyone who knows, lemonade is my drink of choice. I don't really drink alcohol because, I mean, it tastes gross and it's expensive. So anyway, I love me some lemonade. If I got lemonade and Sour Patch Kids, I mean, that is like the dream team. That is like, you talk about the Jay-Z, Beyonce dream album. Lemonade and Sour Patch Kids, that's my dream album. So, I tasted them, and oh, they have this weird, I think the gimmick is they have a cooling sensation. Player, you put it in your mouth, and it tastes like you're chewing on Icy Hot. It is so gross. You don't even taste the lemonade. It just tastes like weird Vicks Vapor Rub medicine. It's the grossest thing ever. My So my least favorite Sour Patch Kid is the one that should have been my favorite. Life is so disappointing. Did you end up eating the bag or did you throw it away? I threw it away. And you know how often I have thrown away a bag of Sour Patch Kids? One time. That was it. <laughs> that That is pretty bad. Um... Ed, can we go into the Sobak track of the day? And I want to maybe have a discussion on this, but uh, the Sobak yeah. track of the day, Ed, is Me, Myself, and I by Beyonce. 
Funny you say that. Um, my wife and I were watching randomly. We were watching the new um, season of Luke Cage on Netflix. And my laptop just happened to be up on the coffee table. And, you know, Facebook was up. So, you know, stuff is happening. The feed is scrolling kind of by itself. And my cousin had posted that song. So, of course, it's on mute, but he had posted the video. And the whole video plays. And my wife, of course, is the biggest Beyonce stan of them all. So she just sat there and watched the video on mute while we were supposed to be watching Luke Cage. But, yes, full funny that you mentioned that song. And I guess she was watching and was highly entertained by the fact that, like, half of the music videos, like, is backwards. Yes, it was actually kind yeah. of an inventive video back in 03 or whenever it dropped. Yep. <laughs> uh, the reason why I bring up that record is uh, Beyonce's solo album celebrated its um, 15-year anniversary recently. So, Ed, wow, is that album a classic? Because I've seen people on your cypher call it a classic. I don't personally think it is, but I'd love to hear what you think. No, I don't think it's a classic. I actually think it's actually kind of underwhelming in a lot of ways. Again, yep. when I talk classics, I don't really talk about the score that I would give an album. But I think that that album showed a lot of promise for Beyonce's career. But I don't think, and I think that she just leapfrogged it in so many ways, way, way, way down the line, that it's kind of known as her first coming out party. But it's not at all indicative of the talent that she would show and the influence that she would have. And even though it has a few good songs, I think in no way is that a classic. Even among members of the Beehive, so to speak, they might like it, but most people that I know kind of give it kind of a, you know, middle-of-a-road album. And that's what it is. It's not horrible, but a classic, not at all. Yeah, because I felt like what worked with that album is they picked the right singles. Crazy in Love, Baby Boy, Me, Myself, and I, and Naughty Girl, like those were probably the right four singles. I can't think of any other song they uh, should have or would have picked. I agree. But then if you look at the rest of the album, there's really not much there. The album cuts are really lacking in some ways. So that's why it feels a little uneven, so to speak. It really feels a lot the ways that we were talking about the album that um, Tiana dropped. It shows a lot of promise. Of course, it doesn't have the blockbuster singles. But when you listen to it and it's like, okay, here's some good songs and then some very, very forgettable ones in the middle. That's kind of how I feel about Dangerously in Love. Yep, absolutely. So, um, what's going on with SoInStereo.com, Ed? Play, I just said, if you haven't checked out the albums that we have been reviewing lately, you need to catch up. So, we have all five of the albums of Kanye's little seven-track releases. I guess Tiana was eight. So, if you miss hearing about Tiana Taylor's album, the Nas album, the Kanye and Kid Cudi album... The Kanye album, and to me, the crown jewel, the Pusha T album. All of those will be reviewed over on soulandstereo.com. Also got reviews of the Beyonce and Jay Everything is Love album. The J-Rock album is reviewed as well. Um, We got this week coming up, Arbrey himself. Drake's album is coming, and he's threatening that it's going to be a double album. So get ready to have 30 tracks and three of them be actually any decent. So, by the time this airs, we'll have that. Also, by the time this airs, we should have our annual 20 Questions BET Awards edition. Everybody loves it. It's once again time for that, and we'll be having a recap of the award show. So, if you don't have time to listen to it 
or don't have time to watch it, go to soulandstereo.com by the time you hear this, and you can see what you missed at the BET Awards. I'm sure I will be bald by the time I tear on my hair from all of the foolishness that will ensue that night. Listen, man, I got to applaud you. If you can sit through a whole award show at this point in your life, that's that's something to uh, be proud of. I was on Netflix yesterday trying to watch um, Thor Ragnarok for the first time, and uh, I pretty much fell asleep midway through it. Not because the movie was boring, <laughs> but, man, it's hard watching TV now. I don't have the attention span for that. I am with you. I was talking to the wifey um, a few days ago, and I'm like, man, if it, if these... 20 question columns weren't so popular your boy would have gave up because it's a lot of work and those award shows are not very exciting no they are not um so on you know i got soul right now obviously we have this podcast which we will be i guess by the time you listen to this it would have been published unless you somehow hacked my computer um aside from that man we just we're gonna just keep it moving uh i think i have a couple of concerts coming up i know tom does as well so hopefully we get some interviews i know we've been kind of slowing down on this uh you know but we're gonna try to get some guests on this podcast as well um so i think that seems to be ed anything else that you want to add nope i just want to thank everybody for continuing to show love to the podcast we're getting to the point where if it's monday and people haven't seen it, they're like, what's up with a podcast this week? I really like that our fans of both the podcast, Soul and Stereo, You Know I Got in Soul, appreciate what we're doing, appreciate our opinions, and want to hear more about the music they love. So thank you all for the support. Absolutely. Oh, I forgot to tell everyone, I think Sierra is putting out a new single um, in the next month. Um, I know you're very excited about that, Ed. Oh, I can't wait. Between her and Ty Dolla Sign and Jeremiah, it's like... Man. Oh, come on. It's like the NWO of <laughs> come on, it's that I don't like. Oh, and then um, another thing. I think Bruno Mars and Janet Jackson are putting out a record together. I saw a picture of them I together. Heard, so. I heard something about that. I didn't know if that was real or if it was just Instagram chatter. So that's interesting. That's I would like to hear. We will have to find out. But until then, um, we're going to call it a week. Ed, are you going to be listening to Keith Sweat at all this week? Player, what do you think? If you ever have to ask if I'll be listening to Keith Sweat, if I'll be eating Sour Patch Kids, if I'll be drinking lemonade, I'll be doing all three of those. Not at the same time, though, because it's gross. But yes, all three of those will be part of my week because I am me. Well, you know who else will be listening to Keith Sweat? Who is that? Nobody. Anyways, everyone have a good week, and we are out of here. Pray for this one. (laughs) See you guys. Ugh.